Well, this morning I'm going to talk about uh, the Christian calendar, Advent, baptism, and a part of Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Tie them all together, and all in less than 20 minutes. <laughs> like a TED talk. No, it's not a TED talk. It's a sermon. This is a homily. I also want to say that much of what I'm going to share today was inspired by, comes from this excellent teaching a lot of us heard at our synod gathering in Greensboro, North Carolina, just to, to give credit where credit is due. But I, yeah, I already mentioned how the, this is the first day of the Christian calendar. The beginning of the, the Jewish New Year and the academic year, that happened about three months ago. And the secular New Year is going to happen in about a month from now. But this day is when we join Christians around the world to start over again with Jesus and with his story. So the, this church calendar thing we do is a communal thing. It's a thing we do together with each other here and Christians around the world that Christians have been doing for centuries. And this church calendar thing we do is a Jesus thing. It's centered around him and around his story. And each season of the calendar focuses on a different season of his life. But we're not meant to just be passive spectators of this saga, like, like watching a miniseries on your couch in your living room. We're meant to be active participants in the story. We're meant to immerse ourselves in this story, ultimately to be baptized into the person of this story. And that is what you are. That is who you are, if you are a Christian. You're someone who's been baptized into, his, into him and therefore into his story through water and through the Holy Spirit. Did you not know, Paul wrote in Romans 6, that all of us who were baptized into Christ were therefore baptized into his death? So in other words, what's true of him and his story is true now for us. It's our story too. We get in on it, literally. So he died to sin and he's alive to God, Paul says. And because of your baptism into him, you too must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So the church calendar is an opportunity to remember the meaning of our baptism. And each season is an opportunity to, to focus on a different aspect of that, of our baptism into Christ. So for example, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, we remember to be baptized into Christ is to be baptized also into his death and his resurrection, what we just heard from Paul. In ordinary time, which just ended yesterday, which is the longest part, actually, of the church calendar, this is a time when we look at the one who lived the majority of his life in obscurity as a carpenter. 
doing ordinary things with ordinary people, with, of course, his Father, and the joy of the Holy Spirit. But very ordinary stuff. It's, it's a season to be delivered from our delusions of grandeur. <laughs> we need around here, sometimes, in Boston. In Advent, though, we consider what it means to be baptized in, into the one who comes to us. Who comes to us in our flesh at Christmas, and who's going to come again in his resurrected flesh at the end of the age. When he's going to judge and make things right. But as our Old Testament reading puts it in Zechariah, this is beautiful. When evening comes, actually, there will be light. On that day, living water is going to flow out from Jerusalem, half of it to the east, to the Dead Sea, and half of it west to the Mediterranean Sea, in summer and in winter. The Lord's going to be king over the whole earth, and on that day, there's going to be one Lord, and his name, the only name. That's what his final coming is going to accomplish. In the meantime, he comes to us in other preliminary ways. Through the word, through bread and wine, in moments of prayer, in the members of his body here, in the stranger on the street. We need to be ready for those comings as well. To live in the one who comes means waiting, means longing, hoping for, asking for him to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come, the Bible ends with. It also means getting prepared, always being ready for his coming at any moment. It also means becoming a people who, like him, come to one another, bodily. This is what we see in our New Testament passage. It's very interesting. This is Paul's first letter to his Thessalonian friends, friends who were really close to him, he was really intimate with, especially when you look at how he described their relationship, their friendship. This is what he does in chapter 2. Paul uses these family images, these metaphors, to describe their relationship, their friendship. He says, they treated Paul and those who were with him like children, like their children. And in turn, Paul and those with him treated them like a nursing mother, or became like a nursing mother to them, like an encouraging father. And then he describes everyone as brothers and sisters of each other. So through the gospel, they came to relate to one another in all the different ways an intimate and loving family relate to one another. But this was not a biological family. This was a family of friends in Christ. And that's how we should relate to each other here, how we should see one another, relate to one another as a family as a family of friends in Christ that longs to come to and be with one another, as we see in this passage, that longs to share what we have in life and in Christ with one another. 
That's what we see with Paul and the Thessalonians. In chapter 3, starting in verse 6, Paul, Paul, verse six, Paul writes to his friends, Timothy, who he had sent to them to see how they were doing because they were under great persecution, to see how they were holding up. He says, Timothy has now just come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Then in verse 10 and 11, he says, Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Do you see that longing there present? The efforts made, the actions taken, the, the prayers offered to come to and be with one another. That's what it means to be baptized into and to stand firm in the one who comes to us bodily. That is what he does. And in him, that's what we are to do. He came in bodily form at Christmas. He will come again in bodily form at the end of the age to be with us. To be with us bodily. How good it's going to be to be with him, not just by faith, but by sight. Not just in the spirit, but bodily, present with Jesus, actually seeing him face to face. How good that is going to be. Verses 7 and 8. Paul says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. So there's some heavy persecution going on that I mentioned for both of them. And in the midst of this difficulty, they were still standing firm. They were still trusting Jesus and loving one another when much was discouraging them from doing that. They were living as this family of friends in Christ. And this brought a lot of encouragement, you can understand, to Paul. So much so he says, now we really live since this is happening with you. This invigorated Paul. This was a breath of life to Paul to hear this and know this. And just know how he described their faith, their love, their way of life with each other. He described it as standing firm, standing fast in the Lord. In the Lord. That's Paul's most common phrase in his letters. He uses it 167 times through his letters. It's his way of saying that's what it means to be a Christian. Because that is who you are as a baptized believer. You are in Christ. Through baptism, through water and the Holy Spirit, we've been put, plunged into Christ. And both plunging people into water 
and pouring water over people, they both express two sides of the same baptism, just different aspects. Plunging into the waters describes, shows, symbolizes what is happening. You're being put into Christ. Having water poured over you shows you how you are put into Christ through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We see this outpouring first with Jesus, actually. So after John baptized Jesus with water, the Father baptized Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And then Jesus, in turn, baptizes us with the same Holy Spirit. We look at this in our Second Breath series. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit, as it's described in the New Testament, is what puts us in Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 13, By one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body. The body of Christ. The body that you also are on the earth. At Church of the Cross, as in other churches, we do actually both forms of baptism, plunging into water and pouring over with water. With little children, usually we do the pouring over for practical reasons, which we'll be doing this morning with Francis. But this is just as powerful and just as meaningful as, as plunging in. At Church of the Cross, as in many churches, we also baptize babies and little children taking our cue from circumcision in the Old Testament, when the people of God were required to circumcise the children very soon after they were born, regardless, of course, of whether they can show faith or not, and understanding that baptism now replaces circumcision in the New Testament. I also like to say in baptism, when we're doing this for children, we are, we are joining Jesus in believing for them until we believe with them. That's what we're doing, among other things. Now, you don't have to agree with infant baptism to worship with us or even to be a member with us here, but that is what we do here, practice here. Whatever we do, though, whatever version we do with water on our part, mostly we are trusting God to do his greater part through the Holy Spirit in and through this. As we put ourselves and each other into the waters, we're trusting God to put ourselves and each other in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Which gives us a new story, a new identity, a new anthropology, a new way of being in the world. Behold, all things are new in Christ. Remember the meaning of your baptism. My plan is to have this baptismal font actually in the foyer after this Sunday, so that when you come through and enter into our gathering, you can do just that. You can pass by through the waters of your baptism every Sunday to remember the meaning of your baptism, to stand firm in your baptism, to ask the Holy Spirit for another portion of your baptism.
Thessalonian friends again. We were really living because you were standing fast in the Lord. You were in the Lord with this stubbornness, this stubborn confidence in the Lord and what that means in him, his death, his resurrection, his way. You stood firm, steadfast in that, in this one who comes to us. Paul says, who will come at the end of the age with his holy ones, his saints. Now in this age, of course, we are in him and he is in us through the spirit. But then we will be with him in his new resurrected body in us and ours. And again, how good that will be. But in the meantime, yes, we're in him by the spirit. We are put into him by the spirit, plunged into his body by the spirit, his redemption and his way. And his way is to come to us bodily. That wasn't just something he did just for the cross. He did that for the cross. But he is still in a body, a resurrected body. And he's coming back to be with us in a body. And that's why it's not good enough to be with each other virtually. No offense. <laughs> and sometimes we need to watch virtually, and that's all we can do. But that should be the exception. We need to do this. We need to come together bodily, like our Lord. Remember Paul and the Thessalonians longing to be with one another, the efforts made. The actions taken, the, offer, the prayers offered, just to be with, to see with one another, to share life with each other, to be the body. In the previous chapter, Paul wrote, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. That's what he does. And so Paul prays in our passage, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. That needs to be our prayer. There are so many ways the devil keeps us from coming to each other, connecting with each other, from being friends, a family of friends with each other. So we must start near the bottom and plow toward each other again. That was a poem I referenced at our retreat. A poem that was about plowing through snow. At that time, snow was far away. But actually, the other day, the John Hancock uh, thing was, was flashing red, which was supposed to mean snow. But we didn't see any that night. <laughs> we were hoping for it. But we can imagine snow coming. It's not far. Some of us are excited about that, some not. <laughs> but snow in this poem actually represents the things that separate us from one another, and in this poem particularly, racism. But you can imagine all kinds of things separating us from one another. You can imagine what's required of us to start near the bottom and plow toward each other again, how it requires our longing, our efforts, our actions. But more than that, not less than that, 
But more than that, it's going to require our God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ to clear the way for us to come together again for some of the things that are between us. We need him to clear the way. It requires us to stand firm in the one and in his way and in the one who clears the way. In the one who's already been to the bottom and come forth victorious. In other words, it requires us to remember the meaning of our baptism. I'm going to finish with Paul's prayer and pray for us. Now may God, our God, you are our God and Father, may you yourself and you, Lord Jesus, clear the way for us to come to you and you to us and us to each other. May the Lord make our love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. May you strengthen our hearts so that we will be blameless and holy in this way, in the presence of you, our Father, and when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all his holy angels. May it be so.